Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network as we get closer and closer to the end of 24, season 5. As uh, we're up to episode number 21 now, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., where Logan contemplates suicide and Jack tries to kill more people. Um, and very aggressively threatens to kill more people. Uh, and Audrey's back. Yay. And Curtis is back. Yay. And. Heller is alive, Yay. and that's all that matters. All is right in the world. Uh, this was the May 8th, 2006 episode, uh, which was written by Manny Cotto and directed by Brad Turner. And do you know what was going on in May 8th uh, in history, Ben? Look, just like Noah's birthday, I remembered to look at that. And I can tell you that in 1972, on May 8th, Vietnam War, U.S. President Richard Nixon announces his order to place naval mines in major North Vietnamese ports. <laughs> Uh, and the Beatles released their 12th and final studio album, Let It Be. Oh, there you go. Oh. Mm. Uh, some underrated stuff on Let It Be. Not great, but underrated. Yeah. Uh, and then we had Charles Logan. So it was a day for controversial presidents. That's what we're getting at here. Nixon lookalikes. Uh, Nixon, <laughs> Nixon and Nixon's doppelganger. Mm. Uh, my name is Colin, and when you forget to give me something for my birthday, that's when you say you're sorry. On that note, I'm sorry, Noah. Happy birthday. <laughs> And my name is Ben, and I'm bleeding. I think you broke my nose. Oh, a, I forgot about that part. <laughs> such a good episode. There's, like, no quotes in this episode. Like, not only is this a good episode, like, my expectations were low because I didn't really remember last week going into last week, and I wasn't high on it at all. It was my only bin of the season. And this episode, I know you said, oh, yeah, I think the next week's definitely our last, like, really good one till the finale. Uh, but... Maybe because my expectations were so low and maybe because I just wasn't loving the whole plane takeover storyline. Um, I, I had high hopes when I started to remember like the, the dramatic scene between Charles and Martha, which we got some great stuff in, including him forgetting her birthday. Uh, but uh, while like this episode just blew me away, I still don't know where I'm going to rank it. Like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, separate my feelings of how good is this episode just as an episode versus how good is this compared to last week. But I mean, I, I loved everything in this. I mean, the, the first 15, 20 minutes alone, I think is some of the best stuff we've gotten all season, just action and tension wise. But I mean, everything we get with Charles and Martha is just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I, this is what uh, I, I kind of thought that we got more of this into season six, but I mean, it really gets introduced here where you start to, I'm not going to say feel sympathetic towards Charles, but you start to see him as human and them humanizing him. Like it, it's hard even for somebody who is like a, at this point, a Bond villain to not at least have a moment where 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 you can feel for them. But, like, I genuinely kind of feel for the guy at one point in this episode. You really don't remember Logan in season six, do you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, no, it's, it's it's a sad Logan, like, the, the state where he gets to, you know? It's a sad episode when we get Logan. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a weird ending to this season in the fact that, you know, I keep saying that every week even though I've got complaints about it, that it just keeps you make what you want to keep watching it. You just want to keep watching it more and more and more and more. Like it's so good, even though it's, some of it's bad. And this is an episode where I just, I'd wanted to just like, as soon as this episode ended, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to keep watching. And I'm like, no, no, like don't, you know, blow it out right now because it's, ah, oh, the, the, the last, what, five, 10 minutes of Logan stuff is just, mm. it's some of the best, television i think that i've seen and it's weird to say that because again i've had so many complaints about logan but it's just so captivating and you're drawn to the screen by one man's performance and it's so goddamn good and it's just so like 
just he owns every second on that screen. And again, you got to just establish that this is a guy playing the president. Of the, even if this was just Charles Logan, accountant, like y- you still would be drawn to this performance and just, as you say, feeling sympathy for him. And it's hard to really kind of sympathize with a villain on this level, you know, and it's just, it's just desperation and everything. And then outside of that, there is some other great stuff too, because this is one of those real, I think, what 24 does well a lot of the time, or sometimes well, is that, you know, you think the crisis is averted. Jack saved the day. Jack's done something. But there's always, like, three other levels that are happening behind him that he hasn't really saved the day, you know, particularly when you know there's still three episodes to go of a season. If this was episode 23 or episode 24, sure, you know it's going to be coming to a close, but we're not dumb. Well, that's three episodes ago. Bioko just gave a smile to the driver of that truck. That can't lead to anywhere. But it's sort of, this is maybe one of the best examples of Jack really looks like he's saved the day. You literally at this point are kind of like, well, how the fuck is there going to extend three more episodes out of this? Because it's usually the other way around, isn't it? It's usually, oh, Jack, like, he can't find any way to save the day. Oh, look, he's just got a convenient phone call next five minutes. This is one of those ones where you're like, well, how is Logan going to get out of this? You know? Yeah. And they somehow do a way of doing it. And again, you got three episodes to go. So... Long-winded way of saying this is a great episode. Just ignore the next two weeks and wait to the finale after this episode. But it's still a lot to talk about in this episode, and I'm excited. And Logan, what a man. I want to lick him. Uh, I, I have a couple of trivia bits I'll throw in throughout here. Uh, sometimes I get surprised with the commentaries. When you get a commentary and it's you know somebody really big with one of the main stars, and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and you're like, oh, that's kind of boring. Kiefer. Uh, this one was, well, like <laughs> Kiefer. Yeah. I love you, Kiefer, but, but sometimes one... he's not that engaging. <laughs> this one was Manny Cotto, which, uh, you know, I, I don't even think we've addressed the fact that, like Manny Cotto, who would go on to become essentially the head writer on the show, just look at his credits. Season seven, he's a credited writer on 10 out of the 24 <sighs> episodes. Now, he's a problem. Two of, two of those are story by, but like still, I mean, he, he wrote the full screenplays for, you know, eight of those episodes, which third episodes? of the season. But <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. We'll find out when we get to season seven. But like, this is this is a major twenty-four player. But like, this is his first season with the show. So I mean, the time they're doing this commentary, he'd written a couple episodes this season, and then you have Jude Chicolella on there, who's great actor. But I wouldn't expect to, uh, you know, get you know as much great trivia out of them. But there, there's some good stuff on the commentary. I'll talk about. Uh, first thing I just want to mention is uh, M- Manny Cotto kind of uh, mentions that uh, his dad had been watching 24 because when he got hired on to do the show, he's like, Oh, I want to check out your new show. So he watched all season and basically thought that Mike would be the villain. Uh, so every single week he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it now. This guy's going to be the villain. And it's really funny. Cause like Jude Chicolella has this line where he says, yeah, well, uh, I mean, a couple seasons ago, I thought I was the good guy. And then I got fired by the president for essentially saving the day. So uh, <laughs> at this point, I don't know if I'm a good guy. And he he basically plays up on throughout the entire thing. It's like, I don't think Mike did anything wrong in season two. <laughs> I just want to say right now, I'll get Jude Chicolo on there for more commentaries. He's, he's amazing. That's uh, cool too. Whenever I mean, you Google him, he's always wearing like a fedora and he's like smoking a cigar. I don't know. He just looks like a cool guy. <laughs> And and he's playing the exact opposite in this, you know. Yeah. He, he just he seems like the most forgettable guy that's in the office. But uh, uh, we'll we'll go through, I guess, the CTU and the uh, Logan stuff separately. But just everything up to the plane landing here on its own. Uh, so we get uh, call between Karen and Bill uh, to Jack. With, Jack's got a gun to the pilot's head. Uh, this is where it's like it broke my nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but. Uh, like, I feel bad for this pilot. Again, I, we kind of touched on it last week. That the pilot's basically doing his job. Like, yes, there, you should at least have a question. How did CTU get on the line? But, like, they have their own protocols to follow. Uh, and this is one of the, the Manny Cotto tidbits that I wouldn't even thought about. I, I kind of like when you get inside what happens on a TV show. Like, the writers don't just sit there and say, all right, I'll come up with a good next episode. Like, they have meetings weeks, months ahead of time. Sometimes at the beginning of the season, they say, this is your assignment. You know, 12 weeks from now, you got to write the episode the previous one, we got a plane that Jack is on. This episode, you got to land the plane. And he knew he had to have all this like airline jargon, uh, but it was actually Brad Turner's brother who works as a pilot or worked for an airline. So he basically took his script and said, can you give this to your brother? And he can fact check all my lingo here. So, I mean, all the all the plane t- talk we get from the pilots actually apparently pretty accurate and and was, was fairly decent on the first draft here. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the pilot's basically being forced against his will here. Uh, we uh, do have uh, quickly Curtis coming in and uh, telling Audrey, Audrey, your dad's alive. <laughs> Apparently there was a deleted scene. I don't know if it was in the episode where 
uh, where Heller goes off the cliff or if it was after. But they basically said one of the split screens they had in a previous episode, which I would assume would have been the same episode or they would have opened the next one. They did shoot uh, William Devane coming out of the oh, water. It makes clear that I alive. shot William Devane. You shot him. <laughs> oh, you shot me in the face. <laughs> Going off a cliff isn't enough now. You got to shoot me. I do like, but, uh, um, I love Curtis's like acting or like Roger Cross here where he's like, Audrey, I have some fantastic news. Your father <laughs> is alive. And then like, what's Audrey's reaction is like, are you saying he's still alive? Like she kind of reacts like a Curtis reaction. Like it's, yeah. Just, yeah, it's it's so it's, it's, it's just it's just like it's it's not like terrible, terrible, but it's just it's just one of those levels where it's very obviously uh, cheesy. I have some wonderful news, <laughs> but I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago, like after Heller goes off the cliff, where I'm like, okay, we get Heller back, but like, I had I had thought or remembered that this season didn't address that because I'm like, oh, Heller must be dead. But if this is all we got to verify this, this is so throwaway. Uh, I I'm mean, sure even Roger's is. reaction. Yeah, like Audrey's reaction isn't that big. I think that when Jack comes in later, she briefly says, oh, my father's going to be okay. But like, make a bigger deal out of this, you know? Although I am happy that they cut that scene earlier on because it would have really cheapened it if you just saw him get out of the water at the end. And even if the next episode opens without it, it's going to Oh, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, so, uh, at the same time, we get Graham calling Logan up. Uh, now, now this I actually originally was going to call out, like we keep saying, all right, so you're going to have to shoot down the plane. Yes, I know. We had the discussion at the end of the last episode, which was two minutes ago, real time. But uh, Manny Cotto actually said that, uh, again, he's given the assignment. All right, Jack takes over the airplane, so you're going to have to land. And, and all the other writers are basically throwing around ideas saying, you know, maybe he has to shoot down the airplane. And it was like very quickly where he sort of thought, I think that's kind of boring. What if we actually just had, you know, a solution to this? And, and so... I, I, I like this scene a lot more now that they do this, where it's like, it's not just him calling up and reminding the audience. It's like, all right, so I know we talked two minutes ago, but I just came across some interesting information. Yeah. I think this could work. It yeah. makes sense. So, this, I noticed that too. Like this one, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's one of the reasons I like this episode more than the last one. Even the last one had a lot of like fun action stuff. It's just there were too many plot holes, whereas this, it almost writes out the potential plot hole right away saying, hey, this makes sense. Now, apparently this isn't a real thing. Like there are distress signals, but like this is completely fictionalized. This distress signal was sent. But uh, I love this moment that uh, Graham has with Logan, though, where he says, you need to appear to struggle with the ethics and then give the order to shoot it Paul down. Paul Crane's amazing in this episode. Oh, he's he's fantastic. And uh, now they don't know who he is at this point, because that's one of the things that like Manny Cotto uh, uh, reveals where he said they, they we talked about how this is very specter. Like he even specifically in the commentary says we were going for like a specter Dr. No type thing, mm -hmm. you know, like the early James Bonds uh, with the way they film him, the way that they they, they stage the scenes, the way his performances. Uh, but he even says, you know, we wanted the audience to be suspicious of who this guy is, not know who he is. And it says, and that's probably also because we don't know who he is. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, even though we know they'd thrown around the idea about Jack's family coming in, I don't think that, I think he basically confirms they had no idea that Graham would be that and guy. And that's, and that's again, like, I think episode five onwards next season, when he comes back into it and you get him being Jack's brother on the many levels that that's a problem. You just have this kind of like evil, like, pulling the strings, Paul McCrane, Bluetooth guy, drinking whiskey at 3 a.m., like really, really good To Hi, honey, I'm home. How's it? <laughs> How's my shitty son who we're going to hate for the rest of this season? <laughs> like, it's just, it's it, it doesn't make sense the way they, it's kind of, it's almost very Logan-esque what I complain about. They change this character kind of seemingly overnight. Yeah. The difference is it's not really overnight because we have four episodes without him next season. Then, oh, look who's back. It, it's, it's something we'll get into more next season, but I mean, I don't think I was immediately off, you know, the, the 24 bandwagon when they had the father in and stuff like that. But it was, it's something that always bothered me throughout the course of the season. Like, I like this guy better when he was just mysterious yeah, man, you know, like knowing who he is. I, I think we even talked about that before. Like you want that mystery with your villains. Um, so now when they're on the phone, we've got Mike and Logan on the phone with you or on Skype Zoom with the Admiral here. Uh, I don't know what it would have been back then. They had no FaceTime or anything, but. MSN uh, Messenger. MSN Messenger, yeah, back in 2006. That's a nudge. Uh, and, and this uh, this admiral who's basically coming in and saying, by the way, this distress signal, I think that we should shoot down the airplane. And this plane completely looks like, oh, 
but it seems like such a terrible thing to do. Oh, I don't know how. Uh, now, Mike, of course, coming up saying, I don't think Jack Bauer is the type of guy who's going to target civilians. But then Logan, like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to play that sound effect on no, the show. But, uh, God. Oh, it was just mime it. Do it. Uh, play... that's close enough. <laughs> that one instead. There we go. Do it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, he does really well with like playing this dilemma. And I think this episode, especially when you get to the end, you realize like that that moment where Graham said you'll have to pretend you're struggling with the ethics. Gregory Edson gives this look where he's like, I am struggling with the <laughs> ethics. And I think that's what like gives him so much dimension. It, it may not even be in the script, but like he you you know right away watching this guy that like he doesn't want to be in this position, which is which is great. But uh uh eventually they, they say, okay, well, this is what we have to do. We have to shoot down the airplane. Um Karen gets on the phone to Jack and basically finds out about the same time. By the way, there's this distress signal that was sent. Uh, they've been ordered to shoot you down. Jack's trying to get the pilot to land the plane. He's saying, we got nowhere to land. Come up with the idea of landing on a freeway. Now, this is something that uh, um, in the commentary, Mandy Cotto said that he had heard about this. And I guess it's it's not like widely, widely known, but it's sort of been considered like a myth for years that freeways were designed like during, during World War II, like post-World War II, all through the Cold War, with the idea that you want to design roads so that if you had to have an emergency landing plane, you do. And apparently this is something that the Nazis did in World War II that has been admitted to, but it's never been confirmed in America whether this is a thing or not. But he sort of had that, whoa, what if they land on a freeway? And it was one of the things that he had a hard time selling everybody else on. I don't know if they couldn't figure out the visual, but um, he, he basically did sell them on it. And to me, like this landing is, it's not like action. It's not a shootout, which by the way, they also address in the commentary. Yeah, Kiefer had some problems with the shootouts. So we were being told not to give any more shootouts. Um, but but it, it, this is still like, I think like top notch action. Like th this is some of the most exciting stuff we've gotten all season, particularly the shot when they're bringing it down and you have like Curtis who's speeding to get there. And then right out the windshield, the car Curtis looks up and you see the plane overhead. <laughs> Look, like, I plane. know it's in. That is a plane landing on a Jack freeway. Jack <laughs> is on that airplane. <laughs> but but like yeah, it had to be Curtis. But uh, uh, he now I'm gonna have to be looking every single time of that shot, thinking Curtis like that is an airplane <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> it flies with people on it. <laughs> it is easy to spot at night because it has lights on it. <laughs> <laughs> We just, you know what we really need to do? We we talked about doing cameos and all that for to make up for forgetting Noah's birthday. By the way, happy birthday, Noah. Happy birthday, Noah. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, can we just get Roger Cross to just do a dry reading of Noah Grove's birthday is July the 4th. <laughs> send that. You Noah won't get it. We'll laugh. Who he is. Noah's like, hey, who is we'll this laugh. Guy? We will, that's, <laughs> that's all, all that matters. matters. We will laugh. <laughs> it's all about us, not about Noah. <laughs> it's never about Noah. Uh, but but yeah, like I, I love even this moment where Logan is saying, shoot down the airplane. They're like, but sir, they're landing now. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no point to shoot. We know not to take out civilians, but I want it shot down. Like he, him having to give up and even like Mike just saying, Mr. President, <laughs> you're which, not making any sense. <laughs> which it's uh, like, and you going back to your point about how they kind of address things that immediately you're almost going, that's a plot hole because yeah. before we kind of have this argument and Logan's still pursuing with it, I'm thinking like, well, hang on a minute. This is, doesn't make sense because this is landing now. Surely like these people are going to be like, the plane is landing. This makes no sense. And then that's when they start going like, but sir, like yeah. <laughs> the chances of shooting down an airplane is 4,720 to one. Um, never get yeah. any odds. Uh, so like, yeah, like straight away, they kind of address those like immediately like, wait a minute. And you're like, oh, wait, no. Good job, writers. Yeah. Well done. I, I think overall, like the, the landing, there's special effects in there, but I mean, it's nighttime. It well, still looks good. Special. Some uh, of those are pretty shit shots. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm saying it's special. It's, they didn't do this for real, but like really? for television show and then this being at nighttime, you know, yeah. it looks decent enough. Well, uh, but, but get what away makes, with that at night. Me, that's, I mean, they're probably lucky it's at night, yeah. right? Because, you know, they can make yeah, the exactly. shitness not look as bad. This would have been written completely different if it wasn't. And that was another thing Manny Cota talked about because he he came off of the Star Trek Enterprise TV series. And one of the reasons when he wrote this in is he's like, I worked enough on Star Trek to know what you can get away with with special effects and what you can't. So that's why he kind of wrote this in. Who was that guy, like the, the main man. guy in Enterprise? I like him. He went on to Scott a Scott Bakula. Hey, he was good. What happened to Scott yeah. Bakula? Quantum. Uh, I think he's, I don't know if his NCIS show is still on. Oh, he was on one right. of those NCIS one of those. for years. He was just one of those yeah. guys. I mean, that... he was... There's, there's Quantum like, Leap, one of my all-time favorite shows. He just, you know, there are some actors where, like, obviously there's a whole, like, oh, that's that guy from that thing. But 
that's more like they were a leading man on a TV show and you liked it. There was, um, uh, what was that? It was a show called Human Target. They like remade it in like oh, 2010. Yeah. It lasted for like a season or two. That mm-hmm. was like the main guy in there. I'm like, I like that guy. And then like, yeah, it was. It's funny. Like, what's the face? I know she's like a big deal now because of Game of Thrones. Like, is it Lena Hardy or whoever? Lena Hardy, yeah. Sarah Connor from the Sarah Connor Chronicles, mm-hmm. who was just in that um, White House Plumbers show with. She was Woody Harrelson's wife in that show. Like, she's another one. Which again, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't get the big deal about her and that. But it's like, oh, I like her. And mm-hmm. there was another. Like, I actually thought that about um, Damian Lewis because before Homeland, he was in that really random cop show called Life which only lasted a couple of seasons, which was really good. So, yeah, Scott Bakula, bring him back. Uh, this is sidetrack for a second, but uh, Scott Bakula, Quantum Leap was like Home Improvement, Quantum Leap. Those are my two childhood favorite shows. Very similar. And, uh, very similar premise, yes. But, but uh, I remember one day, uh, it was just, I, I got a huge laugh out of it because Jamie, as Jamie always did, is complimenting me. And she says, oh, you're, you're way handsomer than Henry Cavill, even handsomer than Scott Bakula. I'm like, the two most random people, like Henry Cavill, I get, but like Scott Bakula is your second go-to. Yeah. And then I remember I, pu- I put that up as like a status on Facebook as like a joke. This is what Jamie just said to me. And you wouldn't believe how many women are like, Scott Bakula, he is hot. <laughs> oh, he, he's apparently Henry Cavill level for like, female followers. It's actually funny you mentioned Henry Cavill uh, on that. I saw some random post on like a meme page or something. And it was like a Reddit post. And it was like, straight men of Reddit, who is the sexiest man alive? everybody answered Henry Cavill. It was like, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. And one man's like, I would let him tie me down to my bed and whisper dirty things about his PC into my ears and that would be better than having sex with any hot woman or something like that. And I'm like, yep, (laughs) all straight men of the world can agree it's Henry Cavill. Pierce Brosnan and Henry Cavill are the two go-tos. And and Scott Bakula for women. Uh, Has he ever played Dracula, Scott Bakula? No. (laughs) Dracula. I shouldn't laugh at that as hard as I did. It's a really bad joke, but you know, um, Scott anyway, Dracula so is Dracula. <laughs> but anyways, the plane landing is great. Um, I think what sets us apart from last week, last week was all about the mystery of, Oh, we don't know who this person is, but like to me, the tension is always at his best when everybody's hands are tied. And I think that's why I love this because Jack's hands are tied. He needs to land this airplane. The pilot's hands are tied. It's like, we'll die. If I land this airplane, Logan's hands are tied. I've got to shoot it down. Mike's hands are tied. I can't let him shoot it down. Like, everybody's coming out from a different position. It's just, it all works. And random character I absolutely love who's got, like, I think one scene in this episode. Uh, the the lead flight attendant woman. I love that woman. Oh, when, yeah. When, like, Jack comes out of the thing, she's just sitting there going, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And Jack's <laughs> just like, I need you. We're going to have to have an emergency landing. And we're going to, oh, oh, okay, what's happening? I said, let that everyone. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, I love this woman. She's really good at her job. She should get a raise. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> um, I, uh, if you'd end that, like, I, yeah, everything you said is true. I do, I do love Skype or MSN Messenger in 2006 when, like, literally the everybody who's on screen is like, I'm not going to go that close to my camera, but see my hand. Like, their face is that mm-hmm. close to the camera. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, special effects aside, this scene is fantastic. And it is one of those episodes where, again, you sort of forget that this is part of the episode by the end of it because Logan's sort of taken away from it. But even the Logan stuff early on here is just great, like, because, like, the, the scene when Mike comes in and he's all like, sir, we've got this and it's a VT distress. Just because you, you know Logan knows everything. And you yeah. even, like, it's Gregory Itzen acting, but acting, acting, acting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just everything about it is so good. And he's just got, he just has this way of changing his face that he just kind of has his look that he can just takes over him, which we've talked mm-hmm. about before, which is so good. But, yeah, like, everything about this is is so just tension-filled and everything. Um, and like another thing too, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but it's sort of going to go into no doubt what you're about to talk about back onto the point of every time there's sort of a plot hole and you think, Oh, that doesn't make sense. And they kind of rectify it. The CTU stuff, when you've kind of got Bill working with Karen, you've got Chloe coming in, like automatically you're like, well, this is dumb. Karen's so dumb. Why doesn't she just tell miles? Like she would save herself face Mm. here right now. Ultimately she's going to do that. So I kind of like all these like threads that they're kind of doing and just, yeah, I I love kind of Jack's back and forth with the pilot too because the pilot's just kind of like, we cannot do that. We will not be able to pull out of it. And Jack's like, just do it. It's like, you do not understand. Just do it, damn it. And then all of a sudden the plane's like, nah, 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 stall, stall, stall. It's like, I need your help, fuckwit. I told you I couldn't get out of this. But I love like... What if the pilot... I, I was just kidding. What if the pilot called his bluff and just said, 
shoot me. There's literally nobody else to land this plane now. But I mean, but, but in, a, in a weird way, I'd question that because Jack knows how to fly. So Jack would be like, bitch, please, I'm Jack Bauer. I can fly this plane. Surgeon, pilot, everything. Um, isn't, what's, what's, um, uh, what's the, the Saturday Night Live? Is it Keenan, whatever his name is, is the longest serving. Thompson. Saturday, yeah. Is, was he not on Snakes on a Plane? Is he not the one who lands Snakes on a Plane? Am I am I being uh, racist here by yeah, thinking I, of a different African American <laughs> actor? I'm not trying meaning to be, but I just I picture Keenan Thompson in Snakes on a Plane. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm looking up now. Yeah, Keenan Thompson is. It is. He's Thank you. Troy okay. I wasn't racist. I knew there was like, it, <laughs> but like he plays like a. Doesn't he play like a some sort of quasi celebrity? And he lands the plane because he's like, oh, I play video games. So they get him on the phone and they're like, this is how you land the plane. I'm pretty sure that's the character he plays in that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen Snakes on a Bobby Plane. Bobby Cannavale is in Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, he's like a... Taylor oh. Kitsch is in it? Oh, well, you know, uh, what's her face? Um, uh, Julian Margulies. Margulies is the yeah, flight attendant. Yeah, I forgot of her is in. Oh, what a woman. Um, anyway, but um, the, the, one, the one plot hole which they don't rectify, they've been in the air for like, I don't know, five, ten minutes from Van Nuys Airport or whatever it is. Why does it going to take them 21 minutes to get back to Van Nuys Airport? By the time they turn around and say, like, we can turn around and go back. It's like, if I'm Jack Bauer, I'm like, 21 minutes? We just took off. Like, I can yeah. see it. There it is there. And also. The vapor trail is still right behind us. And like, I mean, around distances in this episode is not overly great because they land on this highway, which Curtis just happens to be near. And Jack's back in CTU in five minutes. So, again, LA yeah. keeps shrinking every season. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. And also, Chloe gets into CTU in, like, two minutes. Wasn't she in a bar tasering people? Is that guy dead? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. shouldn't Chloe, like, when she gets back to CTU going, like, um, I've kind of got some cops on my tail. I kind of tasered a guy. Like, that guy's probably, like, mentally scarred. Maybe if you could at least call the hotel and get somebody to check for a pulse. Mm. <laughs> I didn't have time to do that before I left. Yeah, uh, but no, everything else here is um, great. Curtis just, I, I want Curtis to be like, you tasered that man. He is unconscious. <laughs> uh, the rest of the CTU stuff here is... Not a lot going on. I mean, I actually think the best part is just getting back to CTU because a scene that I think could have easily been cut from this episode if they were running long, and I'm so glad they weren't running long, is this one where they come up to the roadblock and Curtis has talked way out of it. And Jack's just in the back, like trying to look like I'm a regular CTU guy. I'm definitely not a wanted criminal. Uh, the president's definitely didn't try to shoot down a plane to get me. And Curtis is like, oh, we're agents from uh, CTU. We need you to let us through. Oh, we're supposed to stop everybody. And then saying, listen, uh, we have to get through and national security is, you want that on your conscience? You, you want shoot us, shoot us. But we even go far enough to have this guy say, I'm going to need to see individual IDs from all of you. And again, like this is one of these situations, the best tension is where everybody's hands are tied. This guy's been given a direct order from the president. I mean, probably didn't call him directly, but it was like, this is an order from the president. You know, you need to search every person. And then you got somebody else saying, listen, the president's going to be very angry if you do this. So, like, I get this guy having to ask, and it's just a little tiny scene where you're like, oh, they're going to get him. They're going to get him. Um, when they get back to CTU, like you said, very quickly, Chloe's arriving there, too. They basically give Chloe the assignment of cleaning up the recording. Now, they played this recording. Like, what are they trying to clean up? We heard it. This is, this is the plot hole of the episode. Because, again, as I said a couple of weeks ago, why don't you just somehow record this, like, make a copy. Like, they're their own worst enemy in what's going to happen at the end of this episode next week. But, like, there is no reason why you don't make a copy. Jack's got it. He's got perfect cell reception. Play it over the phone. Like, like Chloe, I need you. I'm going to play this right now. This is a backup. Call the Attorney General. This is the thing. We'll verify the recording. Like, they didn't they do this with the Cypress recordings? They played it. Yeah. Initially, they did. They initially played it, and then they played it, like, 50 times before, oh, we've got to verify that it's fake. So, like, this is... Again, I get why they're doing it, because if we've got one recording and it gets deleted, oh, no, tension, Jack, what's he going to do? But, like, in all seriousness, come on. Like, this is something that's going to bring down the president. It's going to kill our careers and everything. You're just going to rely on one recording? Again, I'm recording this episode right now, like, five different versions, and no one gives a <laughs> shit about this. This isn't bringing down the president. Um, so, yeah, that's a big plot hole in this episode. Uh, another, uh, let's say, plot hole that uh, we finally got addressed is in the commentary. I don't remember who it was Jude or Mike, uh, or M Jude or Mike, oh, uh, Jude or Manny, who uh, I think they both brought up the fact. It's like, you wouldn't believe how many people have said to us, why didn't Jack just record this on his phone? <laughs> and they said, and that is a very good point. And then they just sort of leave it at that. <laughs> they don't even say just, anything. Like, that's, oh, so that, many problems solved. <laughs> that's, that always reminds me of the classic um, audio commentary in Armageddon when Ben Affleck's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, ask the same question. And I even I ask um, Michael Bay, like, why didn't you just teach astronauts yeah. how to drill? And he was like, shut the fuck up and film the movie. <laughs> 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 I 
mean, you got to respect Michael Bay for that. He doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah. dude, I want drillers to be astronauts. Not the other way around. Shut up. You're Ben Affleck. Film the movie. <laughs> Um, we, we have Bierko getting oh. transferred here to division, which it feels like a pointless scene, but I mean, obviously he's going to be out after this. Uh, this is where they, another one where they wanted to avoid the shootout. They said, oh yeah, because it's, apparently it's not even just Jack saying he didn't want to do the shootouts or Kiefer saying he didn't want the shootouts. They, they still had their mandate at this point, less shootouts, less shootouts. So this was supposed to be a big shootout to get Bierko out of here. But like, not only is like Bierko so forgotten at this point, and th- again, we'll, 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 we'll not blame, we'll give the benefit of the doubt. Like they've said, we had Bierko as the you know season 2.5 or sorry, uh, 5.2 villain. Uh, but then Henderson or, or Peter Willow was available longer. So they basically ended up getting split. But like when this episode starts and you get the previously on segment and it's all the stuff with Bierko, I'm like, Am I on the wrong disc? Like yeah. I'm thinking, I'm four or five episodes back at this point. Like he is so forgotten. It's and that's um, and that's and just to jump in there really quickly and that will be my biggest issues over the next two weeks because this does become very random. Like we're back to Centox again. Like what this was forgotten yeah. about. And like, it's yeah. Massive issue with Bjerko just all of a sudden coming back into it being evil. And then also Henderson sort of is forgotten about and kind of brought back because Henderson's in CTU. Apparently we get a throwaway mm-hmm. line here. Um, but so, moving him, right? Yeah. So like, th- that's why like, I roll my eyes at this scene because it's one of these ones where it's like, you know, he's got to, he, he's kind of planned for this to happen. If he's winking at the CTU guy where it's like, this is a guy like seven, eight hours ago. was all like, no, I'm only being brought into this because everybody else fucked up. We don't want to attack the U S we yeah. want to attack Russia. And now all of a sudden he's like, I've got people in CTU and I'm going to kill the Americans. It's like, this makes no sense to your character. So I like, I see this scene and I'm like, oh, all right, the next two weeks. And I forgot about this. Yeah. Uh, the, the rest of what happens here, I and mean, this is major, this is what's going to set up the rest of the season essentially is, Miles being out of the loop. I mean, again, oh, Miles, we get several scenes with, with I, and I'm, I'm loving him more and more. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to so say good. that he was a forgotten character. He's one of these characters are like, oh, it was that guy, you know? Because you always have this one character and there's a million of them and sometimes you get them mixed up. But like, I found myself more and more week after week being like, Miles, I, I underestimate. Like, he's he's doing his job at least. Yeah. You know, is he always doing again, exactly? He's doing nothing wrong. Even when he calls yeah. the president. I'm sorry. He's doing nothing wrong. Yeah, exactly. Because it's going against the presidential order. He, if anything, he's covering for himself. And I think that's what gets addressed in the scene. Because I do love, first of all, when he's basically telling Karen, it's like, you've got two criminals in there. You're aiding and abetting them. Yeah. And and they're working with is like, why am I out of the loop? He even says, you should trust me. She brings him in. Uh, now, it's partly her fault for not bringing him in earlier. Because I, I honestly believe it. She basically said to Miles from the beginning, listen, and, and, why does she name? This is the problem. Every problem that's been caused in this part of the season is when people keep name dropping Logan. Just say a person in the government. Yeah. Miles would be all on for bite. If you say the president, of course he's going to be like, I'm calling the president. Like something's wrong here. But, but this, this is an issue too. It's, um, I think, because like it's very black and white. Like Karen is forcing him to choose a side. And I think if you are like questioning this, like she even says here, like this could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, it's my career. Yeah. Shouldn't there, rather than just a, you have to choose this side or not, shouldn't it be a, look, okay, I understand you're skeptical. I'm a bit skeptical too. Maybe you can be the side person here and let's try and verify this recording. Let's yeah. try and like, like let, let's work some different angles here just in case because we, you know, need to do this. And it's like, that's all she needs to do. And that's why, like, I think Miles is in the right here because, again, like, I'm, we've all been in situations in work or in life where kind of we have to choose one side or the other. You know, from mm. my point of view, this the Karen Hayes <laughs> is evil. Like, I mean, it's perspective is perspective. Again, to the to the Russians, they're not evil for invading the Ukraine. Like, I I feel like bad bringing this up because this episode is airing on September 11. But to the terrorists, <laughs> what they did weren't evil. Like, I mean, I'm just saying, from perspectives, yeah. from certain points of view, certain things are evil. Thanks, Anakin. So, like, I think Miles is right here. Like, again, he's an ambitious man. He's been brought like the scene again. I'm probably jumping ahead here, or we can cover it now. When he like basically confronts Karen, and she's like, "I yeah, don't deserve, no, I don't deserve to be threatened." And he's like, "Well, I don't deserve to be like treated like this. We've worked together really well. Like, I don't deserve mm-hmm. this. I've been always loyal to you." And she's kind of like, "No, you're right. I'm sorry about that." And then he basically, like, he's got to choose a side. So he's still skeptical. He's kind of the other, like the the devil and the angel on the shoulders, you know. Yeah. So he's like gone the other route, and by doing that, what's he gonna do? He's gonna 
you know, be like, well, what if the president isn't evil? Well, I'm going to be loyal to him and this could further me in my career. So, like, if anything, mm-hmm. again, he's absolutely right in what he's doing. To us, he's evil because, oh, Jack's going to save the day because we know the president is evil. But like, And we know that he was falsely accused of sexual harassment. Well, exactly. Like, I, like I'm, if I'm in Miles' position, like, well, hang on a minute. If I'm on the right side of this, I could be, like, chief of staff or something like that like i'm gonna yeah. further my career like it's survivor like it's pick the right the side of a blind side or whatever and you're going far he's the cochran of south pacific here like it's it's weird things to put out there but and it's great it's great and Look, steven smell spinella is fantastic i love this guy oh yeah I, I i actually specifically noted like i never gave him enough credit for his performance and i think a lot of it is because we're done with the dumb storylines with yeah. with miles now like now we're getting into stuff where it really it really works and it really makes sense. Uh, is there a side of Miles that, like you said, is doing this with ambition? Yes. Is there that side to everybody? Yes. Um, is there also a side that's not even stated in this episode where he knows, when you expose the president, this will destroy this entire country. So let's get on, let, let's let's fix this. because and, and that's been the dilemma even in the White House. Like there are people, Logan staff, his own wife, who who is doing nothing different than what Miles is doing. And I think that's where it comes down to your perspective because- the audience is like, well, Miles is evil, but it's like, but they're not saying that, you know, Martha is evil. They're both doing the same thing. They're saying, I will go along with this if it's true. But the most important line in this is, like you said, that scene where Karen's saying, yes, I admit we could be wrong on this. And if we do, it's my career. And he says, not, he doesn't say my career too. He says, it's not just your career. Mm. Now, this is a guy who as much ambition as he has, we know he's been loyal. This is a guy who probably could have thrown Karen under the bus a million times throughout in the last 10 years or however long they've worked together. And he says, it's not just your career. That's him saying, I'm going to lose my job over this. So we have three different reasons for him to call Logan and all of them you could at least understand. And it's, and it's, it's accurate what we get around. Like we know Logan's evil, but like this is the complexities of this season and what makes it so fascinating is that this is the president and it's much larger than just, oh, you know, this is just Stephen Saunders or this is, you know, a Drazen. Like, this is the off. I mean, we've seen this in real life. Like, I just watched White House Plumbers. It's a bit of a comedic take on the, the whole Watergate scandal. But a lot of what's around that is, like, protecting the government and the role of president and all that kind of stuff and what happened. I mean, Nixon stepped down because he didn't want to be, like, dragged through the, the mud because clearly he was yeah. going to be impeached and done. We're seeing that right now with Donald Trump. Like, I mean... You know, he's not president anymore, but he's been indicted like 87 times and still running for president. And kind of like we know what those four <laughs> years were like when he was president. Like it kind of tainted that role because of how he held that role. But again, some people in society believe he was right. And that's their right to believe that he is right. Yeah. People are allowed to have an opinion and can side with whatever they want. So it's it's it, we've got a real life perspective of this. So that, that protection of that office the office of president or office of any political power is bigger than one person. And as we know with Americans, they're very protective of that role. Like it's, I remember back in the Bush days when Bush was hated, the Dixie chicks or sorry, the Dixies, whatever they're mm. called this week. Remember they just like famously spoke out and were like, we hate the president. Yeah. And even though everyone hated the president, they were like, boo, don't say that publicly. Just keep it to <laughs> yourselves. We hate the Dixies. And wasn't it, um, Kathy Griffin like posted that, I'm decapitating mm-hmm. Donald Trump. And everyone's like, I hate Donald Trump, but boo, that's wrong. We hate you, Kathy yeah. Griffin. Like, it's, it's, there's still that level of respect there, even if the person is hated. So, my long winded yeah. way of saying, Stephen Smiller, Miles, love him. Um, the only other thing, uh, I guess, to talk, we'll, we'll cover the rest of the Miles stuff because that'll tie into Logan. But Jack sees Audrey. I mean, there's nothing, the, the only thing memorable of the scene is how memorable, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and Kim Raver can make it, despite the fact we've seen the oh, same scene over and over and over scene, again. Though. It's so sweet. It's, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is that there's nothing to it. We don't need to see them together again at this point. But, like, they are so good together. Like, you could write anything. I honestly don't remember a single word they said. I don't remember if they were advancing plot or anything. Um, it's just amazing to see them on screen together. It's it's like the, the one, like, this, I, I, I keep rabbiting on about my love for the Jack and Audrey stuff. But, like, I, I really hope you're on side with me later on with the, um, the why have I gone blank on a name? Um... Season seven, season eight, the actress died lately. Um, oh, Annie Wershing? Yeah, what's the character's name? What's her name? Um, why have I gone blank on Renee? Renee. Why, Renee. Well, I, yeah, Renee. Renee. I'm, usually I remember the character and I struggle with the actress. It's the opposite this time. And again, I know it's a completely different like version of love because it's not even love. It's just a one-night hookup and it's different. I get mm. it. It's different. But like, 
I, I will stand by that this is the best Jack love story, even more than Terry, because Ter- he's already married with Terry. And, like, you can't take away from yeah. Terry, but they're a married couple already. Like, just it's subtle scenes like this. You got Jack Bauer, hard-ass fucking Jack. He's hijacked a plane in the last hour. But here he is sitting on a bed with Audrey, just doing little things, which Colin wouldn't get because he's not a romantic man. But he's just like <laughs> holding a hand. He just like kisses her on the knee subtly and just like leans in and kisses. This is a guy who like barely, you know, according to Audrey, was dead like what, 21 hours ago. Like it's just subtle little things that they do with this. And these are like the last moments we will ever get of these two in some form or another. I was going to ask if we had more well, of Well, it's... <sighs> We do like the. I mean, basically, the the tragedy of the the plot twist at the end of this season is around kind of them finally being back together. But why I say this kind of like these last moments because literally we've got three hours after this. But like what we get next season is a damaged Audrey, which is not the same mm-hmm. Audrey. And then by the time we get Jack and Audrey back together in season nine, she's off with Tate Donovan. So and we get like one scene I think with them, you know, kind of like a little romantic scene between the two. So this is why like I'm relishing these moments, and it's just subtle because. It's the tragedy of Audrey and Jack, which is the hardest thing, even more so than Jack and Renee, because Jack and Renee were never really there. It was more of a, all the tension is building and they're finally going to fuck. We know these two were together. We know what Jack and Audrey have sacrificed to be together. So, again, I just, I I, I want to defend this. It's my favourite couple in all of 24. Sorry, Leslie Hope. Get on your cougar. Uh, sorry, Annie Wershing. Rest in peace. Um, and sorry, Connie Britton. I mean, you guys had a great fuck fest, let's be honest. Um, we don't talk about Jack's hookup with um, Paul McCrane's wife next season because that's just stupid. Um, but <laughs> anyway, sorry. I love this scene. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, so now on to the big part of the episode, all the Logan oh, stuff. Um, I need to get some lube. Now, I'm horny. <laughs> now, I, I love bad news Mike coming in. <laughs> sorry, Mr. President. I got some bad news for you. Uh, basically tells him, uh, I love, this is basically Logan saying, I think I need to be alone. This one is like, we got oh, no other shot. Jack so Bowers made good. it back. Come on. And, and you know what? It, so it's, good. it's made better by the performance. It's oh, made better yes. by how this is directed. Like everything. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was basically praising the one I ended up ranking the top five. Like this is like a masterfully directed episode. To me, this is a, this week is a masterfully written episode, but you just have the bonus of how much extra the performances add to it. Mm. Um, when uh, you get him just sitting down, now, there's a commercial break here, mm. but it is the most effective thing in the world where he says, I think I'd like to be alone right now. And he goes, he sits down and his phone's ringing and he just doesn't answer. That's and the, the next time they come oh. back to him, he answers the phone. But it's like, it's 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 well, just amazing. Like He doesn't answer. He, ring, he rings. like and But like the thing, like, sorry to interrupt, but like, because he doesn't answer, he rings. But like, it's it's that score. Like Sean Callery has just got like this yeah. piano. Like remember back in season one when we like commended uh, Leslie Hope, when she was kind of having that breakdown when she was on the bed and you had that freaky kind of like horror piano music, which is oh, like yeah. ding, 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 ding. Like that, that was a guitar, man. But it's like, ding, ding. How did you I'm talking to no every time. I see <laughs> but like, it's just that piano score. And like what adds to it is he grabs this box and we don't know what's in that box yet. And you've just got the piano, uh, the piano on top of the phone on top of it ringing. Yeah. Sorry to jump in there, but like, it's just, mm-hmm. and because I love like the subtlety of that scene when Mike's like, like we've lost Jack Bauer and like, you've just almost got, it feels like an eternity, but they're just like, Logan's just staring at Mike and Mike's kind of like, sir, you okay? And he just all of a sudden just is like, I'd like to be alone, Mike. See ya. Like, it's just, it's so good. Like I don't, I don't think I have ever seen a performance like this in 24. And we're talking the show with Kiva Sutherland in it. I was going to ask, like uh, at this point, would we rate, Gregory Itzen's performance in this season as the greatest performance oh, in the history of 24. Because I mean, there's it's not gonna be top. There's and, nothing coming in future seasons. You're right. I think and again, like again, my biggest concern is just the shift of this character, but this is where I'm buying cartoon James Bond villain Logan because it's sort of I'm used to it now. And but this scene sells it. Yeah, I, I'd almost say it would be. I mean I, I was looking at the Emmy nominee because, uh, you know, obviously we know he didn't win the Emmy for this season, which is just a travesty. Oh. And no disrespect to Alan Alder for the West Wing. I mean, Alan Alder is a legend. Uh, I, I did watch the West Wing. I can't really remember him in it. But, like, he didn't win this season, Gregory Itson, for that, which is just a travesty. And Jean Smart didn't either, and she's fantastic. So, yeah, I you're right. I think it could be. It could be maybe the best mm. performance we get in 24. I mean, for a single episode. Listen, Janet. Oh God, come on now. Let's let's you know. But like I mean, obviously we've got some outstanding Kiefer scenes. 
and Keeper got more of a, a large scope to go through to choose mm-hmm. from. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Gregory Itzen gets, you know, one full season, a couple episodes in season four, and, like, a couple episodes in season eight and one episode in season six. So, yeah, I mean, this episode alone could be the best acted episode in all of 24. It, I think the only thing that even comes close is Jack season three, the finale. Um, yeah, or, maybe, or the, the um, Chappelle scene. I was going to say, yeah, or the Chappelle one. Uh, but, but I yeah, would like, vote. I mean, I know incredible. you were down on the scene, but I still vote him in the plane with Nina, the, you know, that's what you took scene. Um, but that's that, me. The, there, there's so much good stuff still here to come because when it comes yeah. back and he's actually on the phone with Graham oh. and the, the dialogue here, again, like this is a masterfully written episode where the way they're exchanging is very similar to what we got a couple of weeks ago when Mike was on the phone with Karen. He's like, uh, let me just say this has been a very odd, like they're speaking in codes here where they're talking about, you know, oh, I, I would think everything that would happen would be very psychologically damaging to this country. Do you agree? Yes. Uh, if only we could keep such a trial from taking place. I am in complete agreement with you. <laughs> uh, like He's basically telling him you're going to kill yourself. And the way Logan's responding, like, yes, sir, I am like, it's, this is where it gets like really heartbreaking, but it's only going to get worse because the scene after this, where we have him, we show him with the gun now at this point, and then we see him go talk to Martha because he says, I have a couple mm. things to take care of. And now, if you just had him go in there and Gene Smart played this like angry wife, I don't think it works quite as well. It's the fact that when he comes, you can see she's sad and she still loves this guy. And it's the way that she's playing it, where of course she's doped up at the same time. Uh, and then him basically saying how sorry he is. And that's when she has a line about, you know, when you forget to give me something for your birthday, that's when you say, I'm sorry. Uh, but then the rest of the scene is he's basically trying to make things right. He's about to kill himself and he's trying to make things right with her. And the way that she's delivering the scene, you're like, she's going to give him a hug. She's going to tell him it'll all be okay. I'm, I still support you or anything. And then it ends on her basically saying, you know, if I wasn't so horrified to be married with you, I might actually believe your lies. Like, Oh, it's just, this is that moment where I'm just like, I am heartbroken for this guy. Forget about what he's done. Like nobody, if somebody is is minutes away from dying and it's going to be by their own hand, and this is the last thing they have to hear. Like, this is the thing that would haunt Martha. And then you think about where this is going to, Martha's already, you know, I got a lot of issues. Imagine what's going to happen. We're going to see some of the issues she's going to have, even when she comes back, uh, just from the, the turmoil of all this. But Imagine what it would be like for her waking up the next morning and she's like, this is the last thing I said to him, you know, regardless of what he did. It's just, it's amazing. And then the way that they follow him back to his desk. Now, this is something that was done spur of the moment. It wasn't, it was scripted that the scene was supposed to end with Martha. And then we pick up another scene with Logan. It was Brad Turner, the director, who basically said, I want to follow this as one shot. I want to have us seeing Logan walk out of the room and sit down and like, you know what he's about to do. And then you just have that, final phone call come in at that moment you know and this this is something that like everybody remembers like oh you almost want to be like come on like seriously but like it's it actually enhances this dramatic moment with logan to have it be like oh and now there's a chance you know uh because you you go for as the audience member you go from being like i feel so terrible for this guy to like Seriously, he's going to get away with it. <laughs> it's it's just brilliant. Miles calling. We we already talked about like Miles' reasons for doing this and all that. And uh, I, I'm trying to find what the actual line here that uh, he had was, uh, where he's talking about. Uh, oh oh yeah, um, I I feel compelled to intervene, Mr. President. And he says, "You want to know if I approve of you doing that?" Uh, and he goes, "Yes, sir." And then he's like, "I approve of your actions. I am Charles Logan." <laughs> I love, I love uh, the line when like he kind of says like, and and like I will not forget about this. And I love like Miles when he's just yeah. sort of like, "That's what I was Smiles. hoping to hear." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But because again, like from his perspective, even Karen has admitted. We already talked about this, but let's just state it again. Even Karen has admitted we could be wrong on this. Miles has not been shown anything. He's seeing his boss being persuaded by people that, from his point of view, are very dangerous and persuasive people. And if Karen is still doubting this and Miles has seen none of the evidence, Miles has reason to believe that what he's doing is right. Yeah. Uh, and that the smile, like Stephen Smell, this is another one of the moments where I'm like, what an actor? Because the smile that comes across his face, in any other episode, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's looking to get ahead. But like he keeps, he holds it back just enough so that you have relief. the benefit of the doubt with his guy. Yeah, it's a leaf. It's like, oh, the president's going to be very happy with me. I'm glad I did glad the right I voted thing. for this you know? guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, only other thing to add here is, uh, uh, first of all, this moment 
it reminds me a lot of what we're going to get with uh, Lennox in season six, because he's also going to have, although that's played completely differently. It's the same scene in season six, but season six handles it in a way where it's like, no, definitely a bad guy, you know, which, well, and Lennox I don't think that Lennox guy, is necessarily though. in the wrong. And that's my point yeah. is that Lennox is not any more in the wrong than Miles is here, but the way that the season six Lennox moment like this is played yeah. It lets you down once you get further into it, and you're like, "Oh, but he's not a villain." Like, are you forgetting um, that Lennox gets like tied up and kidnapped in a room while they're trying to like take out um, Palmer? Do you forget all those lovely scenes? I don't don't recall that. No, it goes like, <laughs> but no, 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 I see what you're saying because like they, they they play Lennox off as this like prick, but I think the difference is is that Lennox kind of lives up to this prickness. He kind of owns it. Like, yeah, I'm a prick. Like, fuck you. And then, like, yeah, later on, he's tied up in a room, knocked out because they're trying to kill Palmer. Yep, that happens. And really, Miles <laughs> has lived up to it if you're casually watching this. But if you're watching closely enough, you're like, everything that everybody accuses of him is actually wrong. Then you're like, no, there's nothing yeah. wrong with this guy. Um, Jude Chickalella also just, uh, some of his scenes here, that he uh, he talks about the commentary again. Something that's not scripted, but the way he played it, he's like he wanted to play from the very first episode before he knew where the story would go. That Mike would be very uh, on edge with the president, and and people are always asking him. They're like he he said even literally the day before they record the commentary, people who are watching one of the recent episodes were like, "Why aren't you doing something about the president?" And he says, "Because he'll fire me." And and I never thought about that. I'm like from Mike's point of view, the last time he did what he thought was right. He became the scapegoat and was fired. And you look at everything, even back in season four, like why did he do nothing when he found out about, you know, the, the order uh, that, um, uh, what's his name? Well, order 66 you know, and, and Walt and everything because he doesn't want to be fired. Right. And it's like, it's not self-preservation. It's like, well, I've done the right thing before and I've been wrong. So uh, yeah, there's just so much great stuff in this episode. But I mean, everything of, even though it shouldn't work when you just throw that last thing in there where Miles saves the day, that should actually make you angry as a viewer. Somehow it makes it better. And we're only, this is just to say, Chicka Chicka Cola's uh, fourth last ever episode of 24. We don't get him after season five. So uh, make the most of him. Yeah, I mean, look, this Logan stuff is literally the last 11 minutes of this episode. From the moment wow. we have Jack and Audrey on on the gurney in the in the hospital everything for the final part of this episode is all Logan. Like that's how powerful this is because they've allowed one, like I, I talk about episode 12 of this season as being like maybe the most intense, exciting, best seven, 10 minute stretch of the entire series when you've got the whole Centox in CTU, but this is one actor. Like I don't even think Jack Bauer gets an 11 minute stretch of it just being purely about Jack Bauer. Because if you think about it, all Gregory Itzen is on screen. The only person in like actual on-screen time he's gotten out of a phone call is with Martha. Outside of that, we've got like a two-minute phone call, which again, props to Paul McCrane with the whole like, yes, we wouldn't want that to happen. Well, it looks like you might have to kill yourself. Awkward. All right. Bye. Um, which, because like I, there's, there's certain little things. I, I remember was it two episodes ago when Henderson's like, like Logan's like, oh, Henderson destroyed the recording. And he's like, no, because this is going to save me. And now, basically, they're like, well, the recording is out there. Um, I'm going to protect you, at least Paul McCrane, but not that Christopher Henderson. He threatened me, bastard. Um, so I kind of like when he's like, I've taken steps to protect you guys. Um, the scene with Mark, like, absolutely. Like, just, oh, God, it's so heartbreaking. Because, again, you're right. Like, if it if it was like, ah, Martha, I'm angry. Like, you, you need to play this with just that level of, like, like, God, if I wasn't stupid enough for marrying you, I'd be impressed with how good of a liar you are. Like, oh. I didn't realize it. And then it's just, again, it all comes down to the facial expressions because you've got Logan's sort of said to George, uh, George Graham, like, I've got a few things I need to settle. So, like, you think, like, well, he's gone, like, do, 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 do. I'm Logan. I'm going to kill myself. Martha, I'm sorry. Oh, I love you. Oh, that's good. I've got some good news in my head before I kill myself. Um, you know, maybe he's going to go to Mike after that and be like, hey, Mike, buddy, you're the best chief of stuff. I'll come here, you. Uh, and then go, oh, bang. But like instead, he's been like shut down by Martha straight away. So he's just like, well, fuck, what, what's the point of this? It's such a tragedy. And then just kind of like you literally have this scene of him just walking so slowly back to his desk. The way he pulls out like a bottle of scotch or, or whiskey mm. or whatever it is, like subtly just like has a sip, holds this gun. And you're like, but this the balls of the writers of this show to have a sitting president of the United States implied. And like, this is 24. You think he's going to do it. Like this is a show yeah. where you're not going to be surprised if he blows his fucking brains out. You're like, 
fuck me. Like, the president, like, they, they didn't want the president to be evil. They're going to get him to kill himself? Like, what the hell? Um, and then just, even when this phone call comes, because you've seen him before, ignore that phone call. And now he's kind of just like, he has that, like, almost like an eye roll. Like, do I answer this? Like, what do I do? And he's just basically like, I don't have time for this. And then just even the way you see his expressions change when Miles kind of says, like, I feel compelled to do something about this. He's kind of like, oh, thank fuck. Yes, I don't want to kill myself. What's that, sir? Nothing, nothing. Uh, Destroy the recording. Destroy the recording. It's just so good. And then, like, I feel my, my one gripe with this is end this on the president putting the gun in the box closing it and then yeah. have miles in the beginning of next week destroy the recording that yeah would, i forgot about that we actually get him with the recording and that's really snotty look that's my one gripe with this i think you mm-hmm. take a slight bit of effectiveness away from the episode by doing that but having said that still you know we've got that ready to go um I, look i've marked this down as a potential top five again it's similar to why i kind of shut you down a couple of weeks ago i just don't think this fits because we've got too many other top five moments that will come in this season but it's got to be at least a nominate because, I mean, just it's so like for one actor alone to own the screen this much of all the shows we've covered on on the Oz Network. I, I can't even think of a 10 minute stretch of one actor, like even Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and Brian Cranston owns everything in that, even in like, you know, the final couple of episodes, you know, which are considered some of the greatest in TV history. Like, you know, you think of the scene in um, the Tahalogy or whatever the episode's name is. Uh, not how the other one um, where, you know, Walt with Skylar and, and, you know, the scene when like his family are like with the knife and everything, which I think oh, remember yeah. that was our number one scene in all of Breaking Bad. That's not all Brian Cranston, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's everyone in that scene. This is one actor owning the screen for 10 minutes. And I can't think of through Nip Tuck, Third Watch, Lost or Breaking Bad that we had one actor for 10 minutes own the screen like this. And that's what makes this so unique. So, yeah, so fucking good. Love it. Um, trivia. Um, I don't think there's much else that I uh, had from the commentary. We, we do have here this picture that's uh, by Martha when she's lying down on the couch is uh, apparently a picture from uh, Gene Smart and Gregory Itzen when they uh-huh. did like a stage play together, which I know they mentioned that when they had their commentary together, like they had worked together before. And I'm pretty sure they even mentioned that commentary. Oh, yeah, we actually use like a picture of us in a future episode. Um, and there's nothing in your book. I um was gonna say that dear old Tara's uh, shit in the bed. It was just basically um oh the producers and writers accidentally created a RoboCop reunion, and then they were like oh and uh, Jane Atkinson liked the scene with Stephen Spinella. Um, one thing, <laughs> one thing actually I just wanted to point out really quickly that I forgot to mention. I do love when they are scrambling the F eighteen Hornet from the base it's called point magoo now i didn't look to see if this is a real thing but wasn't is it mr magoo was like the blind person like the com- yeah like i don't know if point magoo really is a place um point mugu m-u-g-u it's a real yeah. naval base but um i wouldn't want to be like that pie's blind oh, i can't see <laughs> uh, uh we'll, we'll get into next week in a second so yeah we still have to rate this up uh, yeah i'm i'm I started this thinking I'm going to put this in my, my top 25. And then when I was going through everything, I'm like, I'm going to put this in my top 15. Um, I'm I'm definitely buying this episode. Uh, I might go even higher than that for a ranking. I, I'm curious to hear what you do with it. Uh, buying it, obviously. Uh, it'll be my last buy until the finale. So there you go. Um, but yeah, look, it's... It's a great episode and the, the the bit at the end is just so goddamn good. And I mean, you know, I, I feel so relieved that I'm able to put an episode high again. Um, it's in my top 20. I've got it at 17 at the moment as Jamie brings in some salad. Uh, salad and spaghetti. Yeah, that's a good combination. Um, oh, look at the love she gives oh, yeah. you every time. No, and chokes only a child me and, on the so, way out. Only me, me and Scott Bakula are the only ones who get that kind of attention. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to, like, claim your wife is a child abuser, but all I saw was a kiss Close and cheek. And it looks like grabbed a child by the throat. As it, like, which one was yeah. that? <laughs> Remy, I'm thinking. Yeah, deserved it. Um, Yeah, I've got it at <laughs> 17th, which as of now is the one, two, three, fourth best of this season. Fifth best of this season. Um, So good. And... Like I will say, after uh, at the end of this, this will still come out at number twenty-four overall. Ha, huh, twenty-four. There you go. Ooh. Out of two hundred and eighteen odd episodes, so um, this 
does this rank higher than the finale for me? No, it doesn't. So I will have the finale higher than this in a couple of weeks. But uh, this will be the uh, second last time I put an episode in the top 20 for this season. Because uh, next two weeks are not going to get close to my top 20. <laughs> I I just kind of look through some of the episodes I have higher than this. I, I can't bring it any higher than this, but I'm going at number 15 right now. Like, oh, close. This is an episode that you know I almost feel like if I had had more fond memories of this, it could be a top 10 episode for me. I think it's just, this is one that's caught me off guard, so I'm almost too hesitant to put it too high, but it, it is amazing. What have you got above um, it from this season? I have uh, episode 13, which that was the uh, the Centox gas of the CTU one. Tony Death. Uh, episodes, yeah, episode six, uh, which uh, which one was episode six? Uh, I've got that high as well. Um, was that Jack uh, interrogates Walt? Was that that episode? Oh, that, yeah, that might be the one where he came in and, yeah, throat-punched Walt. Uh, then I've got the premiere and uh, then episode 18, which was the one from a couple weeks ago, it and the then episode, episode 12. Punches Walt. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've got 12, the premiere, uh, 13, 6, and, yeah, then 21. So this, this just gets one spot ahead of episode 2 of this season. We're back to agreeing again. Hey. It was a rough couple of weeks. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, God, I hope the next two weeks you're on board with me. <laughs> well, I'm, see, the next uh, next week at least, I'm start, I'm remembering some of the stuff that happened here. It is so weird that like for the last bit of the season here, it's not nearly as memorable for me as some of the stuff that we had earlier on. Uh, but uh, we're going to get uh, Aaron back next week. We're going to get Bierko, uh, his escape. Um well, what else do we have happening next week? Oh, what can next you tease week, us on? I, I'm trying to think if it's next week or the week after that Martha Logan becomes a murderer. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's just, the again, the issue with the next two weeks is that it's just, it's so like, it feels to me like this episode should be the penultimate episode of the season. I think that you, you've shat the bed that you've you've gone, fuck, this is only episode 21. We, we've got We've got three more episodes to fill. So, like, if anything, you should the next two weeks should have been before this episode, and this should have been the penultimate. If you know what I mean, like, yeah, next mm-hmm. week is the episode where Martha kills someone. Um, so, <laughs> um, and because, like, yeah, like I'm reading, so I've I've done the article already where I've ranked all the episodes, and I'm just trying to read my notes to refresh my memory. And I've written here that the real issue is the fact that we randomly go from the tape that can bring down the president being destroyed right back into a presidential terrorist, into a potential terrorist threat. Like it just, it's random. Like it's like all mm-hmm. of a sudden we've got this bring down the president with a tape and hey, remember Centox? We're going to make sure yeah. that that like blows everything up. And then, it, it's, and then the, the episode after it is worse. But um, yeah. It's like they got cold feet and they didn't feel like they could have enough drama just with the whole presidential you know, indictment, arrest, whatever it's going to be. And honestly, I think that I think it will work better with that. And I'm not saying anything like the finale for this season is incredible, but oh, yeah. it's incredible because of the stuff that you have with Logan that you're dealing with. Yeah, um, and, that, but, and that's uh, and that's it. That's the stakes that are involved around Logan. Because again, this is what's made it so watchable. It's it's so tension filled and everything along those lines. And then all of a sudden, it's just like let's have two weeks of a terrorist threat, which we've kind of we've gotten over. Like this would be like in season two. If with all the recording at the end, they're like, hey, there's another nuclear bomb. Let's do that for two episodes. It's like, what? Where did this come from? Like, we've moved on mm-hmm. from Centox. We've moved on from this. And that's what makes it so random. But, yeah, I mean, the finale will will make up for it. Um, so, yeah, let's, yeah, a couple more weeks to go. And then we're on to a really great episode. So, I can put up with it. And we're now into our rom-com month. Uh, we got week, we, well, we did Pretty Woman already, right? And oh. we're on to Sleepless in Seattle. Colin. I'm glad you. I'm glad you called Jamie a pretty woman. Good job. Well done. Uh, we're on to Sleepless in Seattle this week. We are, and I have not seen it, and I've uh, been to Seattle, so I I slept in Seattle, so uh, I wasn't sleepless in Seattle. So have you been to Seattle? I, I have once. It was only like the day though. I didn't get to Great stay city. overnight or anything. Love it. Great city. But um, Frazier loves it. Well, not anymore. He's moved to Boston. Uh, so <laughs> is the new one back in Boston? I saw a yeah. teaser, but it's like it doesn't show you. They, they redid so the teaser I saw was basically like the black screen with like the what the lines where you know like yeah. they form, and it's a new version of toss salad and scrambled eggs. And um, yeah, no, he's gone back to Boston. So um, he loved Seattle once, but Grey's Anatomy set there. We don't talk about that. Oh, disgusting! Go the Kraken. Uh, well, the, the Kraken's the one thing we like about it. Yes. 
Um, anyway, so we got uh, regular episodes of 24, and then the, those coming out in movie reviews maybe soon, whenever it gets released, we'll do a Blue Beetle. As uh, and I'm sure way, we've I think, done. I think I'm saying it this way. So. All right. Finally get to talk about it if I remember anything about the movie by the time we do it. Uh, my name is Colin, and there's no other quotes in this episode, so let me just say, why are you telling me this? And y'all don't have any quotes there, so let's use a classic one. My name is Ben, and Ticket Star! Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir. sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)